Burton. Hi, Jake. What's going on, man? You know, living the dream every single day. You know, just <laughs> talking about NBA with my friend. It's an honor to have you on here, man. I pre- this is this is your second time, I believe, coming on a, a I, lot. I, think, that, I think that's right. I think that's right. And it's uh, the honor's all mine. One, the first time came with a previous, uh, let's say, we can use the word employer just to, just to make it a quick, quick uh, intro. What, uh, I mean, I'm generally curious, this is a, this is a segue into the NBA of it all. Cause, cause you're a guy who knows a lot of things about a lot of things. <laughs> yep. What are you curious about? Why has there not been like such a, a rush to the, the live audio, like app space? Like spaces has its moments, but it's not like, like there's been all these, there's been all these iterations. I was talking about this with someone over the weekend. There's been all these iterations of, of, um, the big one I'm blanking on the name of it during quarantine that had the face on it. Um, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. There you go. Um, I don't know. It's, it hasn't been, it's been a, a space that seems like it's interesting. It's kind of a, 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 an evolution of talk radio but it hasn't exactly had like a, a real come up, if you will. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, we were in a different emotional and social space during COVID, obviously. So we all gravitated to any technology that helped us be with people, whether it was clubhouse or otherwise. I think that the market is so saturated with the different platforms. I think that people are, themselves oversaturating uh in the way they interact and communicate um so i think that combination of things doesn't allow one of these platforms to like take off i think there's so many of these going on with dozens or hundreds of people and 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 again that's the oversaturation it's almost like a podcast right everybody's got a podcast so like how many listeners are you really going to get how are you going to differentiate yourself that is a view I have with no data whatsoever. I'm just speculating using my business sense to say this is what's going on in the market. I, I, don't, I don't have a full answer, Jake, to be honest with you. It's a good question. Like, Thank you. It's, it's something we should explore. Um, it's something that when you and I get our radio show with Sirius XM, <laughs> we, just, we could just lean on that. The Jake and Chowla show is what I'm looking for. That's, that's what I'm pitching moving forward. For the people who don't know who you are, can you give us a little – a little stump speech on your credentials to be joining me this afternoon. Uh, been in basketball for over 20 years. I make deals. I make deals for NBA players, Chinese sneaker deals. I do content around NBA players. I was the executive producer on Vince Carter's uh, biopic called Vince Carter Legacy, available on Crackle. Download it for free. I think I get eight cents every time somebody watches it. Um, and I'm doing eight NBA lifestyle shows with Slam this year. So, Renaissance man is what Sam called me. I think you put it in your description today. I love that. I love that description because <laughs> it totally like feeds into my ego. But yes, of course. Just, just the person who works in sports specifically, um, I focus on a lot of NBA content. And you know, I happen to have unique relationships with guys like you, the media, some unique relationships with some marketing people that spend money with the NBA, whether it's Mountain Dew or Hennessy and some unique relationships with guys in the league. You know, I think, you know, some of my friendships with front office people. Um, is it not, isn't it not Mountain Dew? It's now Starry. Is that, the, well, it's what, Mount, what, what, yeah. what is, oh, oh so Starry is replacing Sierra Mist. Yeah. And essentially replacing Mountain Dew as the 
official beverage of the, of the league. So like it's all PepsiCo and they want they think Starry is a younger, cooler brand that kind of fits the NBA. Um yep. so PepsiCo is still the official partner of the NBA, so no Coca-Cola beverages. They're just interchanging taking Mountain Dew out and putting Starry in. It's their like Sprite version or like you said the Ceramis version. I've never had it, but my my good friend Jamie Mazzoni, who works at PepsiCo, swears to me that it's delicious. Do you know, like, will this be worthwhile for our listeners? Do you know the intricacies of how those deals get put together? And, like, if, you know, some company, a soda company, in this, in this particular example, um, wants to swap out what their drink is that is the official drink of the league. Like, I could see the league having a grounds to push back on whatever the changes are. Yeah, it was a renegotiation. Yeah. Um, it was definitely a renegotiation. But the rene- the leverage that um, – I mean, the league always has leverage. And anytime you sign a contract and you want to change something, any fundamental thing about that activation, yes, it has to be renegotiated. That renegotiation was part of an overall renegotiation for PepsiCo to continue their partnership with the league. So that's where the leverage were, were, that PepsiCo had was, hey, we're re-upping with you guys. And as a re-up and before the re-up, we'd like to switch out and we'd like to switch out at the highest moment, which was All-Star Weekend for them, right? Starry was everywhere. I mean, Draymond Green was literally saying the Starry Ball, which is, you know, on unmeasurable impact for the brand. I'm sure some, but some junior level person at PepsiCo did a report about how impactful that was. So <laughs> to answer your question, it was like, you have to renegotiate anytime you want to change something like that, but it makes it so much easier to negotiate that. If you're like, Hey, we're re-upping for three more years because what people don't realize they sell those corporate partnerships at a high level. Like you have to sign a multi-year deal. It's multi-millions of dollars. There's so, some contingencies that go along with it. Like, required media that you have to spend. So like when you were at Bleacher Report, if you saw Mountain Dew activation on Bleacher Report, it's because the league requires Mountain Dew to spend money with Bleacher Report because Turner and ESPN are official partners. So there's a lot that goes into it. Oh, back scratching. Yeah, yeah, sure. I call it contingencies in the contract, but it's also like that's hard for a lot of brands. Like I've had Fortune 100 brands that spend in sports that spends that spend millions and millions of dollars that are in categories that the league doesn't have and those brands have said to me i can't afford the league because they want so much from me they want multi-years they want multi-millions they want you to do this and that and and it gets expensive so like that's that that job making those deals it's not faint for the heart i think that's the term right but the faint of heart yes yeah not for the faint of heart yes there you go writer you're the writer i'm just the the knucklehead so um i don't know if that shed any light for you but that's yes the short answer is you have to renegotiate but the long answer is there's always room to negotiate because they they need each other yeah um let's go let's take a call because we got we had we had jimbo in the queue and i immediately after uh i put him in i see jay's in there so we'll cover some questions while while the great britain chow is here jimbo what uh what's going on Hey guys, I was wondering uh, if you had any thoughts on what Giannis visiting the uh, the specialist in New York meant for for his uh, status coming out of the All Star break, and what um, 
Well, potential guys the Bucks could be targeting with the with the 14th spot on the roster. They have to sign someone this week. Um, there hasn't been much buzz for them on the on the buyout market here. So, curious what what you guys think. Burton, as a as a New Yorker, if I'm allowed to reveal that information without asking, um, any any extra thought to Giannis coming to see a hand specialist here? Uh, it's I, I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, and, you know, and the injury I saw. Um, my guess, my best guess, is that it's just precautionary. Like, you know, you get a couple of days off now that you know whatever it was five or six years ago, the players complained about not having enough turnaround time after the all-star break. Now you get a whole four, three or four days after Sunday. So why wouldn't you see a specialist? Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. And it's probably precautionary would be my guess. Again, not a doctor. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> um, so I, I would answer it that way. I mean, you got to, you have time to, to take the precautions and the fly into New York. And then, you know, I, I, I would turn it over to you, Jake, from the buyout market. I don't know who's going to be available in a buyout market. I would guess they really just need more 3 and D guys, right? Like, I think that they got a pretty good team. And I think if I I am a betting man, if I were to place a bet, <laughs> every team being healthy, I'd probably bet the Bucks or the or the Suns. Um, not saying Boston isn't great, but I, I think if they get healthy – they'll be fine. They will. And I, I can't answer the 14th man stuff because I, I don't know who's going to be available on the buyout market, but I would guess it's another 3 and D guy. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go with the question and then I'll ask you, I, I have a separate Giannis question I want to pick your brain about. Okay. Um, with the injury, like it was a sprint. It's a sprain. And I think a lot of the times when guys have injuries that is like they know is going to impact them the rest of the stretch run of, of the regular season, maybe it's not like, like going to be ailing, but it's a thing you just got to maintain, right? Like they're, they're just like you and me. If they tweak, if you tweak an ankle, like it's going to bother you for a little bit of time, right? And you got to figure out ankle brace situation. Maybe there's some type of taping that works out for you when you go play pick. Like it's obviously to the nth degree because these billion dollar organizations are investing millions of dollars to keep these million dollar athletes healthy. Um, but it's also like a nice anytime there's like a, a but anytime there's like a, a nice press release about a specialist in a different city, it's also can be kind of like a, an advertisement in a sense from just a, a thought I've had of like, look at the, look at the degree we're willing to go for our guys to make sure they're healthy type deal. Um, I'm not saying necessarily that's what this is, but that has definitely been something I've, I've read uh, between the tea leaves in the past. And in terms of buyout guys uh, to Jimbo's question about, and how he referenced that there, it's been pretty quiet about them. I mean, yeah, I have not heard of like reinforcements that are trying to find their way to Milwaukee. Um, and Will Barton's definitely still a name that is out there. If I did not miss something over the weekend, um, and he was linked to the Bucks in the past, um, and I, I know to your point, Burton, like wing shooting has been a thing. Like there, there are other non Jay Crowder options they explored at the trade down line where, you know, Bojan Bogdanovich and Eric Gordon, like they, the shooting aspect is just as important as like the small ball forward, whatever um, aspect that is like an additional element to being a, a wing that Jay Crowder brings. 
Um, and like, they're not what, I mean, I'd be shocked if they brought back another big man. Like the fact that Brooke is playing so well, they've got Portis and um, Giannis, who can both play up a position and even, you know, that Giannis uh, Portis combo in the front courts worked out pretty well in long stretches over recent years. So, um, I mean, they they don't have much of a leg like to get better to Burton's point. Like this is this is one of the best teams in the league. They've got one of the best players in the league. Yeah, All Stars and Drew and Chris Middleton. But they they are a situation. Chris where, has like, just got to get healthy. I honestly think that's the key. Like he's got to be healthy and in rhythm. And I think, like you said, they have all the pieces to the puzzle to win this thing. Yeah, they also are in a situation where it's been a little while since. That, that championship was won, right? Yeah. And there was obviously a lot of tension around Mike Budenholder's uh, coaching situation back then. So I just – I'm not saying – I'm not reporting anything definitively at this moment. I'm just saying I'd be curious to know how long uh, we go until we hear some more of those rumblings again. Um, that's just gonna, It's not just Milwaukee. Like, there's going to be situations all across the league being that um, it's so tight. And so many teams that think they're a conference finalists that minimum are going to lose in the second round. And they're just going to be, there's going to be a lot at stake come this postseason. And um, there's going to be a lot of storylines like that that will emerge, is all I'm saying. Uh, Jay, what's going on? Hey, what's up, guys? Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Um, there was a lot of noise around the deadline around Fred Van Vliet and Orlando. How yeah. much of it was leverage play by agents whoever and how much of it is a real and can be um it brought up again you know after the season is over and any idea of what a way orlando would be leaning to and go towards with a, a young group if they want to bring in a vet like him or just let it ride with the young kids there you go thanks trey i mean I think it's exciting how excited people are about the magic um, and they're building something down there to the, the thought of like how they need a point guard to take this thing to the next level. I mean, Markel Fultz has been really, really, really good the last yeah. couple of months. Um, I agree. He's got to play every now and then him and Jalen Suggs um, are like totally different players at this point. So it's weird to see how the magic are like, entirely different offenses, at least from my perspective, when depends on who, which guy's on the floor. Um, but Markel's at least, like, taking jumpers and making them, and he looks awesome out there. So I, I, I wonder – I say that to say I wonder how aggressive Orlando will be in the free agent market into looking at point guards depending on how well he plays because the Fred Van Vliet stuff – with Orlando, at least, I never believed to be something that was going to happen at uh, the trade deadline. Um, I just heard that, and the way this always happens in the league, that's kind of like a gray area we can't talk about. Burton can't, I can't, um, about back-channel conversations between teams letting uh, agents and people around players know that there'd be interest there when they hit the market. Like, that's what I had just heard about Orlando with Fred, that Come summer, they would be willing to talk some serious money. So, um, that does that mean that like 
because they didn't trade for him, that's off the table? No. But uh, And does that mean they're going to absolutely go make a, a, a chase for Fred? No. I think Markel's play will really be a determining factor because he's got only $2 million guaranteed, uh, what I remember off the top of my head, for next season. So there's, like, opportunity for them to move forward with him or move forward without him uh, if they really decide that – going for a veteran point guard like Fred is the move to do. Um, but I, I don't think they're just like locked into signing a veteran point guard. I think like, you know, Chris Middleton was a name I threw out when I wrote about them back in January um, or I guess December at the showcase. And that wasn't sourced or anything or had, had I heard that there was legitimate traction there, like the Fred stuff, but just he's a, a player that um, John Hammond, who's, a pretty high-ranking official in the Magic front office uh, acquired from Detroit. And, I mean, the, another, like, stretch-the-floor shooter would really do dividends for that team. Like, they could go any number of directions, like a Middleton, like Fred VanVleet, um, which I think is what makes their, their cap space so intriguing because they do have a lot of young talent. Burton, do, do you have a, a guy or a type of guy that you think is just what – like the David West for the Indiana Pacers in 2013. What 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 does this Magic team need for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I think either one of those would help take the Magic to the next level, and I definitely think it would be Chris first before Fred because I know they believe in Markel Fultz. To your point, Markel's played great this year, had a good comeback year. Um, my understanding through his agency is that he's very happy there and comfortable there, and kind of found his way in the league. Um, with the Magic. So all of that, I mean, before Markel tore his ACL, I had Magic front office people tell me how much they love Markel Fultz and how much they believed in him. Um, so I can see them building with him in the future versus a Fred, who's a, also a great acquisition because he would maybe stabilize them, teach them how to win, teach them how to win in high leverage moments. So I think either one of those, like vet, veteran, great shooter, leadership, you know, all-star to borderline all-star, depending on how you view either one of those guys. Um, I don't, off the top of my head, know the free agency list. I would say this. I would be very, very surprised. I guess shock wouldn't be the word if Chris Middleton is not a buck for the rest of his career. Like, I know Chris a little bit through his agent, have had some moments of hanging out, and, like, he just doesn't come off as a guy that wants to test free agency so much, would rather, like, get his money, get his situation. And my understanding is he's very happy there. So I'd be surprised if he left. Um, you know, Fred changed his agency during this. And I think that was because he was frustrated with the money he got. So Fred might be in a place where he wants somebody to back up the truck. Um, but I think either one of them, you know, without knowing the free agent list, list off the top of my head, I think anybody that has those credentials has won is a borderline all-star, is a great shooter, is a great leader, I, would help the Magic because they are exciting. Like, I almost feel like they got too many got young players. Like, yeah. how do they all fit in, right, between Wagner, Wagner and uh, Paolo and I don't know what Jonathan Isaacs has or doesn't have. Maybe, you know, that made it easy to move off of Bamba. I think Wendell Carter is a good player. Um, they got a lot of guys. So it's just and, – and Mosley's a good coach. So I, I think they're heading in a great direction. You know, I don't know if that helped answer your question, Jake. I, I agree with you. I think it's somebody like Chris, somebody like Fred. One of my favorite uh, longtime callers, Charlie Saturday, says the Orlando, quote, interesting collection of talent 
they can't remember a team 11 games under 500 getting so much positive buzz. Well, they were 5-20, and 20, right, and on December 15th. I was talking to someone on the league who had just played them. I was like, you know, the Magic are interesting. And they rallied off six straight wins. And from that 5-20 and 20 point, I mean, they're 24-35 and 35 cents. So quick mental math. I mean, they're 19-15, and 15, right? That's how that works. Um, that's, but even when they were five and twenty, they were fun to watch. They were competitive every night. Like, but they've won. They're nineteen and fifteen in their last thirty-four games. Like, that's that's good. That that, that like, would get you like the fourth seed. <laughs> like you're playing at that rate. Yeah, um, that was the kind of stuff that Phoenix did in the end of their 2019-20 season, particularly in the bubble before they. I mean, obviously went out and got Chris Paul and made the yeah. finals the very next year. I mean, the Warriors had Steph and Draymond and Clay, but, like, they put together a pretty good run down the stretch of the season before where Jordan Poole and Wiggins and other guys were, you know, showing things that could be supplementary. So, I mean, it's a, to talk about what Orlando could do in the offseason, I mean, that, that's why what they're doing now is interesting because they already are kind of are winning at a high clip when they got opportunities to add their Chris Paul. Or I'm not saying the magic are, are going to waltz to the finals next year, but I mean, if there's, if they're in a spot where just like Minnesota, where the, where the wolves got a seven seed fun, young team with Carl Anthony towns and uh, Anthony Edwards, and they went out and make a big trade. I, I could see the Magic doing something, something of, of a swing. Obviously the hope is not to swing potentially uh, one of the worst blockbuster trades by asset valuation in league history, but you get my point. Jake, what do you think about Draymond for Orlando? Or it's not yeah. like Hollywood enough for him. I he mean, wants to get paid. I mean, I'll I'll just speak freely here. It's I don't like Draymond making big money for anyone that's not Golden State. Like I just think I think uh it's, I mean, it's been a really rare opportunity. And, and you know, you got to, someone made a really good point to me recently, that, like not to take anything away from Steph, because Steph's fantastic, but that like Steph's career and overall life was obviously made a hell of a lot better because of Draymond Green and what his unique abilities are. Yeah. But that's present, that's just a lot to bring into any different situation that doesn't have, established veterans and he's not capable of, of backing up like his bite isn't as strong as his bark anymore yep. and I think that's being further evidence as he goes into the media so um, yeah I agree with you Jake I, I, I just think he's going to get offers from teams that are looking to go to the next level and think that he could be a difference maker for them I, I'm with you I wouldn't pay him if I were the magic because I think that his value on paper doesn't translate to his value on the court at this point in his career. He was great. He was really instrumental in their runs. I think that's obvious. I just, I wouldn't pay him if I was a young team either. I'd rather have Chris Middleton, right? Chris has still got something left in him. If you could have gotten him at like, if you can get him at a one year high number, that's a different story than, given Draymond Green like a three like a, like a Kyle Lowry contract up. I mean look at that situation with Miami where by all accounts yep. from people I talked to around that team has has not been going super swimmingly this season, right? And and Gabe Vincent's better than him. Yeah. I mean, it, 
putting aside, you know, accolades and money, Gabe Vincent's a better player right now. I would just be, I, I'd be thinking twice about giving him massive long-term salary. Yeah, I agree. Um, 91 Brad one says that Draymond's been linked to Portland since, since forever he has. I mean, that would be, that'd be a situation I think makes a lot more sense from both sides being that's kind of like a bit of a Hail Mary. And I mean, obviously this is a future Hall of Famer four-time champion. So like how much of a Hail Mary is it is, but in terms of like, you only have so many opportunities to make a massive salary move like that in in like a window where your best player in franchise history is well past 30 now and playing at career best levels. And you don't know how long it's going to be maximizing that. Um, and like any swing you do that moves 20 plus million dollars, whether it's a free agency signing or I mean, tr- trading for Jeremy Grant was a, a big move before he reaches free agency or can reach free agency this summer um, where that's like, Basically, you're giving up a first-round pick, and you're guaranteeing you're going to lock up thirty-five plus million dollars over for at least four years to this guy to try to help Dane ride off in the sunset and compete for a championship. That's a big move to make. Um, so to do that with Draymond after also giving out a lot of money to Anthony Simons and paying Yusuf Nurkic, I mean, they would clearly have to move Nurkic to make that happen first. Um, but it'd be. I mean, defense and kind of like chutzpah on that end of the floor has uh, has obviously been a question mark with Portland for a long time. So that'd be an interesting, big, big move to try to correct it. Any thoughts on Draymond to Portland? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I, I don't know how that, that helps you become a championship-level team. I mean, I, if it's about appeasing Dame and making sure that we are competitive enough to make the plan be a tough first round exit. Sure. I, I, I don't see how that makes you any better than you are now. Um, you know, knowing the landscape of the West, the West is like hyper, hyper competitive, especially at the top. You figured, you know, Dem doesn't make you better than Denver, Memphis, Phoenix, you know, Clippers. Like, I just don't see it. Uh, how that move? I'm, I'm, I'm I have a general dis. I hate that I'm agreeing with you so much, Jake. Like, <laughs> you know, we we got to make more like adversarial content. But, um, I I'm in full agreement with you. I wouldn't pay him big money if I was anyone but the Warriors. And even the Warriors, I would say, Dre, we can't. We're not paying you for past accolades. Um, so I don't see where it is but he also has a really powerful agent (laughs) he talks a lot and has definitely has a reputation for winning so i mean game two of the finals he like wrestled jason tatum on every play and the refs let him do it and it's known as the draymond game right so he has a reputation of winning he has a reputation of playing defense like maybe somebody pays him i just wouldn't i'm with you on it i i don't i don't see the value in in paying a guy on the other side of the hill on this one. He's still a valuable player, but are you really going to pay him thirty five a year? What's uh? Let's take it over to Brooklyn. What do you think about the Nets? I mean, you were this close to hanging out with the superstar, uh, <laughs> and that's not going away, Jake. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying, and now that opportunity can't happen because he's no longer a superstar of the Brooklyn Nets. So, what uh? What say you about Brooklyn? Um where they stand right now, why from 
your perspective things might not have gone so swimmingly. Um, and like, where can this team go from here? They got an interesting, I keep saying interesting. I apologize for the echoes, but it's just the word on top of my head right now. Um, they're just, they're in a unique, not unique, unique over, over, let's, let's find the perfect word here. Let's write out loud. Brooklyn has a, let's say they, they have a lot of optionality at, w- at where they're standing right now. So I'm, I'm curious to see your whole take at the beginning, the middle, and then the future of this Brooklyn Nets franchise. Um, obviously Kyrie and Kevin's relationship is unique and unique in a way that doesn't feel like there's negative energy um, or anyone's holding on to anything. And um, my perspective, my interactions with either one of those guys or people that are close to them is like, that's just what it is. They have a unique relationship. So even when Kyrie asked out and that kind of put Kevin in a weird spot, it didn't feel like there was any negative energy between them and they both just want to be happy, even if that's not playing together. So, you know, you and I have talked about this offline a few times. Like, I I just have a perspective that, like, I'm okay with that. Like, I, I, I can't hold that against people for just being human and wanting a different situation. And the league has changed so much. We're like, guys have so much power, right? Like, I don't want to be here anymore. You figure out a way to get me out of here. And in Kevin's case, he's locked up for a couple of years. So he's like a great asset for any team. Um, in Kyrie's case, you're kind of rolling the dice, right? Cause you don't know what you're really going to get. And, and maybe Dallas is like, thinks that rolling that dice works. Obviously Nico has a relationship with Kyrie that predates him being the head man up for the Mavericks. So maybe he feels like he knows Kyrie better than anyone can get Kyrie to kind of like align with what they're trying to do. Or it's like, okay, he doesn't resign with us and we got to figure out another solution to help Luke out. Um, I think from, from the Brooklyn standpoint, they did the best that they could in the situation that they were in, meaning like it wasn't working, right? It was not working. And, and if we want to blame Kyrie, we can, but it's not working. And so they unloaded two guys and got as much as they could. I don't know if they ever will equal how great those guys were. Uh, and it's a, it's a really shitty situation for Sean Marks because I mean, they at one point had Harden, Kyrie, and Kevin Durant on the same team. And then when you look at what they have now, especially if you start with Simmons, it's a pretty shitty aggregated trade. So that kind of sucks. But, again, I think they did the best that they could. I think they'll be a competitive play-in team. And I think, you know, it just wasn't going to work because they're too volatile. Even as, even if they like each other a lot, the both of them are too volatile. COVID was a, t- a very unique situation, right? That created the tension between Kyrie and the organization. But, you know, my take is that they did the best that they could. I think Sean was put in a tough spot. Um, I think Sean made a lot of mistakes. I mean, it's tough. Like, Steve Nash was a new coach, right? He had never done that job before. Sean Marks was a new GM. He had never done that job before. Joe Sy, as smart as everyone says he is, is a new owner. He's never done this before and I think a lot of those rookie mistakes came out they got lucky that two guys wanted to go and play in New York and they were considering playing for the Knicks and they got unlucky in that they were inexperienced and 
those guys are volatile, man. I like both of them. I think you know I have a strong positive feeling for both of those guys, but they're volatile, right? You just don't know what you're going to get. And I think that's tough when you don't have the experience to kind of manage it, right? Like I think Dallas believes they have the experience and the personnel to manage it. And I think Phoenix believes the same thing. I think James Jones is a mature guy who, and Monty Williams is definitively a mature guy who knows how to handle other adults. So I think those are different. And I think that it'll play out differently. But my perspective is Sean did the best he could in a really tough situation. And I'm a huge fan of Jacques Vaughn. So I, I'm sure he'll get the best out of these guys. Um, so the last thing for a year. And Am I being too positive? No. Am I a different guy now? Like sometimes, you know, you know, the, you know the nasty side of me. I'm being very positive on this call. You've been very positive. Um, <laughs> Myers Leonard is signing mm. with the box, which um interesting very funny because i just said that i doubted they were gonna go and get a big guy but 10-day contract a little different than, than signing someone for the long term but um i think that's look as a jewish man i was gonna ask you i was gonna point the question at you and say what one how do you feel as a jewish person too like did you see that piece that came out on espn um about sort of his like rehabilitation not just physically but you know yeah. with the jewish community look as a jewish man and someone who met miles leonard myers leonard excuse me i was saying miles plumley because i see a picture with him and miles plumley on twitter um i i i really liked myers leonard like he was yep. one of my favorite people in the nba to talk with because he was a role player on a team that was like good in those Portland days um, that was just like thoughtful and interesting and he was very candid and happy to share insights left and right and like I truly believe that dude just said a stupid thing on a live stream yeah. and since then I watched this interview he did recently because um, uh, a rabbi reached out to me to have me be a guest on his podcast and he said oh like and I had Myers Leonard on recently and so I, I was just interested. I listened to it for like 20 minutes. And um, I mean, the guy's like gone around the country, like trying to learn. I mean, yep. he, he said a dumb, it's a slur, but like, it's not like, it's not a moment with like hatred and like, oh my God, the fact that this guy is like back in the, in the, the world a little bit. I, um, that's that's a good day for the, for for the NBA. I think honestly, that's just my I, I I my my view. And I saw a special on ESPN about it. He said that he's not making any excuses, but he learned the word through video gaming and didn't and that video gaming culture and didn't know that it was a slur. Like just said it because that's what other gamers say. And as silly as that sounds. Jake, I'll tell you my personal uh, experience with that specific word. I never heard the word, and I grew up in New York. I never heard the word until I was like 23 or 24. I never even heard the word. And then when I heard it and someone told me it, I had to ask. Like, I'm like, is this a slur? And can you give me a little context of what it was? Like, so, like, you know, I grew up in a pretty diverse situation and had Jewish people in my life my whole life. And never knew the word till I was like 23 or 24, right? And I don't know how old Myers Leonard was when he said it. So it's like not 
beyond me to understand that like there was more ignorance than hatred in that moment. Um, there was any man? I don't think there was any. I mean, right, right, and maybe I'm too close to it, and people can show a bit of a performative side in a, a relationship and a conversation when there's a obvious veil of like I'm a reporter, but right. I'd never. I mean, I talked to the dude like plenty of times. Like when he was in Miami, I remember um, had a bunch of conversations with yeah. him. And and I wouldn't toot your horn too much, Jake. You know, man, I don't want to give you too much props, but I I view you as a person that can read the room and read the person. So I I trust your judgment. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I I've recently like I remember when the Jeremy Shap story came out. Yep. Um, people were kind of like killing it because there or there was some type of report. I forget what exactly the report was, but basically someone was saying like he was just rehabbing this like nerve damage, like no reference at all to um to the incident let's say and um i remember feeling just bad for the guy because like as a philadelphia eagles fan like michael vick went to prison for two years and then like repented and like did all this work and the like the nfl brought him back and now the guy's on fox sports just like making a lot of money doing his thing like myers leonard said a little thing on a video i get it i mean uh, I'm, I'm coming from my my vantage point you know but I think it's, this is a nice, this could end up being a nice story, especially on someone. I, I think he, I, I think it's sincere, right? From a distance, I, I don't know the guy, but I think it's sincere. He he truly tried to learn about the Jewish culture as a result of it, and it wasn't performative at all. Like, yeah, rabbi after rabbi, man. Like, yeah, <laughs> man. All right, yeah. a, a long little final bit on Miles Leonard to cap the day. Um, any any final thoughts from you? Anything you want to ask me? Anything you want to share? Flo? Yeah, you know, I, I do want to ask you one question, you know, because obviously I find your job interesting. This weekend, is it a pump the brakes kind of – because we got – you got through the trade deadline, right? So is this weekend like a pump your brakes, chill out weekend for someone like you? Or are you still kind of trying to get the attention of – coaches and gms because coaches and gms in this moment especially coaches it's not like players right players all that don't participate in the all-star weekend they go on vacation everybody's yeah. on vacation right but the coaches are grinding still during this weekend because they are still preparing for other teams trying to get, make sure that they get their team right as far as playoff runs all that kind of stuff so it isn't as much of a vacation for them is it a vacation for you? Is it a break for you? Or are you still working the phones and, and doing what you need to do to stay on top of all of this stuff? Or, or are you doing like long form content during this time? So last week was my like recap the deadline type of week. Okay. Um, so I put out like a thing on last Tuesday at Yahoo about like what did and didn't happen at the deadline that will rear its head again, come off season. Um, and then there was 71 second round picks traded between January 1st and the deadline. There was no more than 32. So it more than doubled uh, than any single year amount in the last four years. So yeah. um, kind of a silly thing, but easy topic to talk to people about and um, just kind of, touch base with a few 
people who I find very smart and work in that type of, you know, cap asset valuation part of the yeah. industry. And like, it was a good way to touch bases with people in that regard. And then honestly, since then, I've kind of just been chilling. Like I did an interview with Joyce Randall that should come out soon. That was like over Zoom from All-Star. Um, but I did not go to All-Star uh, for various reasons. But um, the main being that I want to instead go to the FIBA World Cup this summer. A little, little, little teaser there. Um, and like in, in the Philippines or Japan? I want to go to Manila. Yeah. I think the U.S. will only be in Manila the whole time. Okay. Got it. But I love that for you. You know how I feel about that. For sure. And then, yeah, I mean, this week I get back on the road and I'm starting to report out some longer term, bigger picture stuff before we get to playoffs and think about, you know, different. Like I'll, I'll watch League Pass on probably next Monday night, for example, and just be thinking about potential stories that will pop up the next couple of months, you know, a role player that could have a big moment that I could maybe like, I, like I, I put a month before we wrote about Larry Markin at the beginning of the season. Like I reached out to his people to try to do something. Cause I was expecting him to have an opportunity to succeed in Utah. I did not think he'd be an all-star, but like we're trying to jump ahead on stories like that, I guess. For the playoff, sorry, follow-up question for the playoff. Will you like, pick and choose which ones you go to like are you going to attend every round is one question like or is it all proximity based and you're going to just pick and choose and then like go conference finals finals so i'm expecting to be able to see the entire eastern conference picture without leaving the northeast in the playoffs right with boston Boston, philly and then the two new york new york teams are it should be in in some capacity um so That'll be easy to do. Um, Vinny Goodwill at Yahoo, I am sure will spend a ton of time in Phoenix. Um, I got to make it to Phoenix at some point. Like that has to, if that situation is going as expected, like I'll have to, I mean, their PR staff's really good. Devin Booker is great. Honestly, one of my favorite people to talk to in the NBA is Devin Booker. I mean, I met that kid when he was a kid um coming out of Kentucky as a draft prospect and he was a kid and that dude has turned into a stole cold professional killer while mm. being humble and gracious and thoughtful. He's the man. Um I think that will be a big like everyone gushes over Steph for and rightfully so. And I'm not saying that and and Booker's like dated our Kardashian and like he's not like, you know, the quiet family man and all that type of stuff. But I think he's got the like the quiet swagger and the um, and a voice that can get loud enough with the skill um, and the humility to really be kind of a glue piece that makes all that collection of star go together. Um, right. So I'm, I, I think so, so. The East Coast would be the Boston, Philly, New York stuff to catch all of the Eastern Conference. You think you got to make a trip to Phoenix? Okay. Last thought. Do you think? <laughs> my my nugget. I know I keep dragging this on. Do you think my Nuggets have a chance? I mean, for whatever reason, I think maybe it was with Tim Bontemps's uh, straw poll, MVP straw poll, that like Jokic just pulling ahead. Let's say people started freaking out about it over the weekend. It seemed um, I had <laughs> my wife texting me like the 
the, to the point where I was I had to defend Nikola Jokic basically it, in various personal conversations. And I guess the knock is that like he's never done it in the playoffs. Um, but I don't agree with that, by the way. But yeah, because some people yeah. don't 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 believe in a bubble, whatever. But yeah. like Jamal Murray tore his ACL, and now he's back. And Michael Porter hurt his back, and now he's back. And they made some little moves at the deadline to bring Reggie Jackson, Thomas Bryant, and the KCP trade was, you know, pretty much everything they could have hoped for. Yeah, he's playing great for them. I I, I believe in Denver. I believe in Denver. I, I believe in Denver too. I just wish I, I Reggie Jackson and Thomas Bryant. I think are good moves. I think there was a great move out there. I won't get into it. I think I might have texted you what I thought. But I actually spoke to a front office person at the Nuggets and said, yo, man, without being insulting, what do you think of this move, X, Y, and Z? And he told me they weren't going to do it and various reasons, including political reasons, why. Um, I just think the West got so tough um, with what Phoenix did. I think the Lakers made good moves that, like, standing pat maybe wasn't the right move, but I could be wrong. Like that, what they have is continuity and consistency. So, um, you know, that's, that's my team this year. So I hope, I hope I'm wrong and I hope they make a big splash. Do you have time to take this last question from James or do you got to get out of here? Uh, no, I love James. What's James talking about? All right. James, what's up? James, do we have you? I think he's got to unmute. He does have to unmute. Come on, James. We were doing so well. Trying to land this plane here. James going once. James going twice. All right. Sorry, James. Gold. Burton, thank you, man. Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? You're not like a, uh, a media guy. What what, what what could you plug? You want to share? <laughs> I, I, I currently don't have anything to plug, if you can believe it. Um but I appreciate the time. I appreciate you letting me uh, always talk hoops with you. We, we got to sell the show to to our friend at SiriusXM. You and I together on a daily show would be great. Thank you for the time, man. Uh, we'll talk soon offline. And uh, good luck with everything. I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of you guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah.